0: The history of Rocky Horror is a history of cinema.
1: For everything you like about Rocky Horror, there was at least one film that inspired it.
0: And we're going to review them all on... Episode Zero! And welcome back to episode zero, the Rocky Horror Picture Show podcast, where we don't really
1: talk about the Rocky Horror Picture Show.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) should read that more like the criminologist. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Long pause. You watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show and like, without a live audience, just sort of in the quiet of your living room. Mm-hmm. That is a slow-moving film. <laughs> uh, there are bits. There are a lot of lulls in, in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. There there are bits. that, the,
0: And as I've said before, the dinner scene in Rocky Horror Picture Show is maybe the slowest-paced scene in movie history.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like... And, and it comes on a long tradition of... Uh, lurid yelly dinner scenes, of which we'll be talking about tonight. Indeed, because tonight or today, depending on when you're wa- uh, not watching, cool. listening to it, I
0: guess you could watch it, but it's not very interesting. Uh, <laughs>
1: you, you could, you could watch the podcast if you had synesthesia. Yeah.
0: Well, you can watch it if you just like sort of see the, the little mm-hmm. lines scroll across whatever player you have. I, it's just, right. I don't think you to uh, get a lot out of it. You
1: haven't introduced yourself. My name yet. is
0: William Bibbiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibs. My name is
1: Whitney Seibold. I too am a critic and. Uh, You can call me your royal sex machine. And uh, tonight we're talking, or today, we're talking, (laughs) why are we doing that? We're talking
0: about uh, a film from director Elia Kazan uh, that was incredibly controversial, that was uh, very uh, flagrant in its uh, discussion of uh, sexuality. It is also incredibly campy. And also features a lot of themes that the Rockier Picture Show would enjoy to a great extent. <laughs> We're talking about the Oscar-nominated, very weird film, Baby Doll.
1: This is the 19-year-old Baby Doll. She wouldn't let her husband come near her. She wouldn't let the stranger go away.
0: Mr. McCarroll, you're certainly not getting familiar.
1: Don't you have any fun-loving spirit about
0: you? Well, this isn't
1: fun. Her name is Carol Baker. She has the same special raw electricity you found before only in Marlon Brando and James Dean. I find you different this evening. Never mind that. Just go while he's still on the phone. Grown up, suddenly. I feel cool and rested for the first time in my life. Uh, Baby Doll was written by Tennessee Williams, uh, mm. based on a one-act play of his, uh, the title of which is, uh, I just had in front of me and it vanished, 27 uh, Wagons Full of Cotton. Yeah. And uh, it, it would... Tennessee Williams was going to try to turn the screenplay into a full-length play in turn, but that full-length play never uh, manifested. Mm-hmm. But this is... Uh, very much in keeping with Tennessee Williams' interest. It's set in the South, it's set in a very hot day, and it is about uh, tensions within uh, kind of a crumbling Southern estate uh, coming to a head. Yeah. Uh Uh, The the setup for the movie is uh, Carl Malden plays a one-time cotton millionaire who has lost his fortune just yeah. to just he's come fallen on hard times as cotton gin works but he doesn't have the cotton to, yeah. to gin in it
0: yeah all he has is the cotton mm. gin he has a nice estate that is
1: crumbling gray
0: garden style
1: yeah like, like all around him all the furniture has been repossessed so there's no furniture in this gigantic house Tennessee Williams is clearly making a very salient political point about the crumbling edge of uh uh, Pre-Civil War South uh, Slavery-driven riches Yeah And how uh, now it is just sort of like A, p- a, a pathetic echo of what yeah. it once was they, they are
0: clinging to the iconography of wealth mm. While they themselves are actually destitute Yeah,
1: and uh, uh, and they all, don't have Like any kind of savvy or where wherewithal mm. They were just sort of coasting for, yeah. a gen- for generations And now it's finally crumbling and falling apart So Carl
0: Malden plays this guy Archie Lee And the mm. other thing that he has To his credit Uh, Or to his detriment rather Is a wife And she is a lot younger than he is He married an 18 year old girl Two years ago Uh, She is played by Carol Baker Who was nominated for an Academy Award for this And she's great in this movie She's really good Uh, And uh, she I mean the the three leads are all great Everyone's good in this movie And uh, uh, was nominated Mm -hmm. for four Academy Awards Uh, Carol Baker was nominated for an Academy Award uh, her, The woman who plays her aunt Aunt Rose Comfort Played by Mildred Dunnick Mildred Dunnick won an Academy Award uh, Not one Was nominated Sorry yeah. No one won yeah, <laughs> wasn't, It Wasn't quite it, that it, successful uh, But uh, And it was the film uh, debut of Eli Wallach And Rip Torn Who has a very small role In which he looks nothing like Rip Torn
1: Like, like he was on camera. Like you can see his face. Yeah, and he has several lines. But I did not recognize Riptor. Not, not even (laughs) slightly. I don't think I'd ever seen him as a young man before. Like, yeah, I, I'd come to Rip Torn when he was already like maybe in his 50s like the so, 80s. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. when I
0: know him and even in the 70s You go back. He'd still look like older Rip yeah. Torn Um, but uh, in any case he was not for best actress Best supporting actress best adapted screenplay and best uh, black and white cinematography Which they used to split uh, mm. cinematography in two different categories for a while there Um, but uh, in any case he's married an 18 year old girl She is about to turn 20 in a couple of days and they had a contract which says he's going to marry her. Like her father was dying, and he wanted to know that his daughter was taken care of. Mm. So he said, "I'll marry her to you, this rich cotton gin guy." And he, they've fallen on hard times, but he agreed at the time that uh, because she was so young, he wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't touch her. There would that, be no. That, there would be no sexual congress. That,
1: that, yeah, that is sexually. They, yeah. they weren't going to have sex until her twentieth birthday.
0: Yes and that is coming up, and Karl Malden is very much looking forward to it in a Mm. very creepy way. The movie opens with Karl Malden like, Peeking through a hole in a wall. That like, we don't clearly know clearly been re- digging for a
1: long yeah. time. We don't yeah, know like- their
0: relationship yet. All mm-hmm. we see is Carl Malden yelling at some guys in the yard, so he clearly lives there. And then he goes inside this weird, dilapidated, creepy mansion. And then there's Carol Baker, and she's sleeping in, like, the one bed they have, which is actually... A baby
1: a, crib. A yeah. large
0: baby crib with, like, some of the slats removed for people, you know, to older people could put their legs up um and he's staring at her sleeping through a hole in a mm. wall like in the movie psycho and, and it's you don't know the context yeah it's actually not clear for a while that he's supposed to be married to her and, and all we know she's is that this
1: weird like lacy fetish like kind mm-hmm. of outfit it's called a baby doll gown because of this movie yeah uh that, and it's a slip it's sl- I, I knew about yeah. the movie Baby Doll. I had heard of a baby doll nightgown. Yeah, I didn't know they were associated. So I have, now I have a, yeah. another little connection in my brain. And I think it's really
0: interesting that uh, the movie understands just how gross their whole relationship is. It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, we, they're married and that's fine. It's like, no, no, no. They're married and it's fucked up that they're married. Yeah. They and should the, not effect, be married. Uh, this- it's totally wrong. And, and it's completely lascivious and creepy and disturbing. And he yeah, is this- clearly a predator. Who just happens yes. to be married to her.
1: This is a movie about desperation. Uh, yeah. Not just financial desperation, but desperate lust. And yeah. indeed, that is what is now filling this mansion. All the furniture has been pushed out by this desperate lust. Because all he, all he can yeah. do is fixate on this yeah. young woman that he's married yeah.
0: to. Yeah, all he wants to do is make her happy and make her feel like she would be willing hmm. to be his bride uh, in, a, in a more biblical hmm. sense. And the uh, only thing he can do is spend money trying to fix this mansion and make it look nice. There's no
1: furniture in it and mm. his, his business is crumbling and he has nothing left. Yeah. And she, uh, with the eve of her 20th birthday coming up, uh, begins to uh, feel a, a desperate crunch to escape. Yeah, she wants to get out of the house. Yeah, and uh, you know, get away from this creepy guy who's just like leering at her and pawing at yeah. her when she's in the bathtub she, and stuff. She
0: keeps threatening it's to a, like yeah. move
1: out and like stay at a hotel. And he's like, "What yeah, are you going
0: to do for money?" And she's like, "I'll
1: do something." Yeah, I don't t- know. And she's like, "We're going to go into town. What am I going to do? I'm going to look for a job." It's like yeah. you can't do that. You have to.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, I'm your wife. Do what I say. And mm-hmm. you know, he kind of begrudgingly accepts. And there's an early uh, portion in the movie where they do go into town and she decides to start looking for a job. And there's a that little exchange with Rip Torn, who's the de- the young dentist. He has and, a help
0: wanted sign outside yeah. of his uh, window. And uh, he geez. says,
1: I, I need somebody who can type. Can you type? Well, no. And you see in this really like a lot of subtle things in this brief exchange, yeah. how she, uh, has kind of lost the ability to communicate with people outside of the, house, out of, other than Carl Malden. Yeah. Like her language has been stilted yeah. by her cloistering.
0: And She's been cloistered by her father. She yeah, doesn't yeah, have and like, and she mentions so later on in the film that she had like been out with other boys, but every time they did, mm-hmm. like she basically had to learn to be completely defensive Around men like oh there are boys and they'll say they'll take you to a movie theater but then they take you out to the rock quarry and the only thing you can do is run away and throw rocks at them until they promise to take you back like she her sexuality has been the bane of her existence Mm -hmm. it is not a source of her own agency it is not a source of uh, it may be a source of power in a weird reverse way. Because well, she, can, she, she can use it.
1: She can manipulate her abusers, but exactly. that's the only way she's able to, yeah. to wield her, her body, yeah. which is the only thing the men have told her she has. Yeah,
0: they, they so, tell her uh, she but, has nothing else going But for her. what
1: I like about the character is yeah. she's not just desperate. She actually has a lot of wherewithal and has a lot of agency. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of her, her years of being cloistered and abused has sort of uh, stymied her ability to break free. Yeah. No, so, it, yeah. it becomes a cycle. She's trapped. Yeah.
0: And uh, and that level of them being trapped leads to desperation. And if there's one thing Tennessee Williams knows, it's that being trapped leads to desperation. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen every play Tennessee Williams ever did. They were actually quite prolific. But uh, every single one I've seen hmm. seems to be about people who feel trapped in a situation, either geographically or familially or through marriage. And it just turns their life into living hell. Also, mm. it's always really hot and sweaty. Yeah, because it's they all take place in like the deep south, and it's mm-hmm. very it's very humid area. Uh, based yeah, on every I've, single time I've ever been there.
1: Yeah, uh, Tennessee Williams f- plays are full of sweat. He did Streetcar yeah. Named Desire, hot. Mm-hmm. Every, everybody's in like ripped underwear just because it's so hot. Um, yeah, that was just sort of his his motif.
0: Yeah, he he did he did melodramas set in mm. in hot he did cat in a it wasn't cat on a moderately warm tin roof <laughs> it, was a, it was cat, it was cat a on a, a hot, hot tin roof that was important yeah. it wasn't suddenly last
1: spring <laughs> It was suddenly last summer when it was hot. I'm just saying it wasn't, saying it wasn't just, night of the polar bear, a nice cuddly animal. Yeah. It was night of the iguana, yeah, a desert animal. Yeah they're, yeah, they're all of his plays. i all, never really even thought if, of it before, but it actually does work. Uh, <laughs> That's actually an okay observation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his 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 plays are all all evocative of like yeah. s- sweat and you know taking off clothes and also uh, lust, but. The lust in Tennessee Williams plays is never like a fun lascivious kind of lust. No, it's, it's never
0: playful. It's, or it's positive always a really—it's
1: really a—it's a, yeah. an affliction in yeah. his plays. And indeed, there's going to be a scene in Baby Doll later on where uh, the Eli Wallach character is talking to Baby Doll, and how uh, he is savvy enough to—he has her pegged right away. Yeah, he understands uh, how trapped she is. How she's sort of at this crossroads of being able to perhaps leave Carl Malden, and he is able to sort of wield his own sexuality hmm. to uh sort of counter what she's been using as a defense mechanism against him. Mm-hmm. Which is also and, incredibly uh, creepy, but it's, it's fascinating
0: it's, to see the give and take of the well, actors. Well,
1: it's, it's, it's creepy, but you can see that it's sort of a power play between the yeah. two of them. Like, mm-hmm. he's not actually trying to creep on her in, in a lascivious way. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe a little bit. It, yeah. and that's But that's your, the source of a lot of the drama. Yeah. But I, that she is feeling, like... And she starts to, like, actually fall for his, like some of his seductive techniques. Mm-hmm. And like, he's getting like really physically close to her and saying some really lascivious things. And mm-hmm. she's responding well, to He's, it he's and... trying to,
0: he's trying to, yeah. what Carl Malden has been doing throughout their entire relationship is basically just say, I'm your husband. You owe me. Yeah. And what Eli Wallach in and in, in another creepy way, cause he has a lot of power in that scenario and she has none. Uh, but he is at the very least mm-hmm. attempting to turn her on. Yeah, like to actually make the sexual dynamic between them pleasurable, right? And that's something that she has never apparently ever experienced before, and it leads to a lot of confliction. Mm. Uh, is confliction a word? Conflict, conflict. conflict. It leads to a lot of conflict. <laughs> All right, um, but uh, the 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 main plot outside of the baby doll stuff, and it's important, is uh, Carl Malden's uh, cotton gin is no one no one's making no one's ginning any cotton, mm. which I assume is something you do with cotton. Um,
1: yes, it is Okay, great
0: See, we're, 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 we're off and rolling mm. uh, And the reason why he's, his, he's not getting any work Is because Eli Wallach has not that long ago Moved into town and basically taken over the entire cotton industry mm. And he's in the middle of basically having a big party Talking about, hey, this is really, really great I'm glad I could give you all jobs. Thank you for helping me make my cotton. Oh, you got me flowers. Thank you so mm. much. I'm so glad I could help your community. Carl Molden runs out of a building and about the mouth cotton gin is on fire and he's like, "Ah! Oh, Fuck! F- <laughs> it's the 1950s fudge. Fudge. <laughs> I can't say that word.
1: People cussed in the in the 50s, yeah. but they didn't put it and, in the movies. And it's
0: weird because you couldn't say like the F word mm. and you couldn't say, you know, other like, you know, sort of uh, swear words that we would now say even on like basic television, uh-huh. uh, but there's a lot of racial slurs in this movie.
1: Yeah, like yeah, really the, the openly ca- the casual
0: racism is, is pretty, yeah. pretty pervasive. It's pretty bad, and and again, these are words that are way worse than the f word, like hmm. way worse. And obviously, bad people are saying yeah, them. Like, th- but like is, we're um... still, it's 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 pretty shocking actually when you see a movie that's trying to watch its language and then it just. Let's those fly yeah. and you're like
1: what the fuck this might be the uh earliest film i've seen to to use the n-word i think the um, Dam busters although oh, it wasn't, it, it wasn't yeah. in this context oh though. that's right it was the it was name the, of the, the dog yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah. is still offensive but it wasn't yeah.
0: in the exact same context but yeah. i still um, think it was i think it was before um, this
1: before this the earliest earliest film uh, that i remember hearing that word was uh, the killing the stanley mm. kubrick movie yeah and uh, and that one, it's used, uh, it's like weaponized in that film. It's actually sort of a point that he used that word, yeah. Because there's there's a, a black man serving this guy, and he, the and he's trying to like he's preparing something for a heist, and the other man's trying to be like really really friendly to him. It's like, hey, can I help you out? Can I do something for you? And he throws the n word at him to get him to go away. Yeah. And you know, and he's like,
0: because I'm planning a, a felony here. Yeah, he's, he's, it's he's still trying, fucked up
1: though. One. No, well, yeah. But he's he's fucked up character is that's the un- point yeah, and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. like that actually says a lot what's going on in the scene I know it's just in amazing this film, that you would like never much... do that now you would no, never do that scene no, no. now no never yeah, like not not even if you're making a period piece. No, I yeah, think that would
0: that would just be like just too mm. shocking. Like
1: it's it's and and it should and in, be. And in this one, uh it's set in a racist time shocking. and place, and was yeah. made in a racist time, yep. so uh, the the words are just sort of casually dropped. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's it's, that even more shocking in this context.
0: And what's interesting is that when you look at well, like the, like
1: it's never not
0: shocking. No, of course you know. it is. But you know what I mean? Like it's it's there was a time when it was. But what's weird about it is we like to think. You know, now that like, oh yeah, you know, it was mm. a different time or whatever. If you look up like what people were offended by in this movie, the racist language is actually one of the things mm. that like the Catholic league and people were actually saying like this movie's kind of fucked up uh-huh. and the racist language was part of that. So people were having this conversation even at the time. It's just other things tended to take up the most like headline space. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so Eli Wallach has lost his cotton gin, but he has all this cotton mm. and it really needs to be ginned. Yeah.
1: What is it? Just, just look is, it up. All right. Okay. It's fine. A, all right. It's kind of an important part of American history. Anyway,
0: you know? uh, I don't. I don't know a lot mm. about uh, like textiles. Mm. Um. But the uh, you know, the only person in town who has a working cotton gin right now is Carl Malden, which is pretty much why Carl Malden did that. Mm. Uh. So he's. But right. here's the thing: is he knows Carl Malden did it. He doesn't have evidence. He Uh doesn't have concrete evidence anyway, but he knows he did it. And, but the thing is that Carl Malden is like part of the community and like the police are completely corrupt and they don't care because, Oh, if Carl Malden did it, he must've had a reason. So we're just going to back his play. And Eli Wallach is also Italian. Uh, and, uh, there's a lot of racism against, uh, uh, him in this, which is, um, interesting because oftentimes racism against Italians isn't so directly discussed. Yeah, uh, in a lot of movies. Um But um anyway, so he's gotta go to Carl Malden to get the job done, to get his money. Yeah. But he knows that once he's there, he's going to ruin some shit. <laughs> yeah. He's going there to get the job done, but also to take revenge on Carl Malden however he can. Carl Malden. Like, pretends everything's fine. It's like, ha yes, good neighbor policy. I'm happy. I'll give it the usual rate for the cotton gin, even though you're desperate. And uh, he's like, okay, so uh, I'm going to take care of all this cotton gin with you and your, 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 with your workers. Hey, Eli Wallach, why don't you just stay here with my 19-year-old stifled wife mm-hmm. all day? It doesn't go great. No, <laughs> it does no, not. It does not. And, uh, does not. Uh, yeah, the,
1: and uh, the 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 entire um, second act of the movie mm-hmm. is the interaction between Eli Wallach and and Baby Doll.
0: Yeah.
1: And and how you can tell that uh, you what what is the the character's name? Oh, Eli it's Corso or something. A Silva Vaccaro. Vaccaro. Yeah. Um, Vaccaro uh is there to essentially an act of revenge. Mm. But as he's doing so, he's learning a lot about Carl Mulden. He's, he's learning trying, how
0: pathetic is, he is. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And and is is clearly feeling a lot of glee in learning how pathetic this guy is and how poor he is and how bad his relationship with his wife is. And when he gets to go in the mansion, is just sort of learning how it's been, turned into this sort of like twisted shell of a place, this once palatial estate, mm-hmm. which is now just a den of depravity. Yeah, the kitchen Hey, what movie repulsive. did that remind you of? Um, yeah. Which is, you know, a big inspiration for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. This castle is now just a den of depravity. Yeah. If you go to the end of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, when uh, Frank is ultimately punished for his hedonism mm-hmm. and is lasered to death by Riff, <laughs> yeah, your mission is a failure. Your life sentence. The, is the, too the laser
0: wasn't directly inspired by Baby Doll.
1: There are no lasers in Baby Doll. Yeah, uh, yeah. The v- original draft had v- more v- lasers. Vakaro they- does not whip out a laser gun and start yeah. shooting at Carl Mulder. Alia
0: Kazan dramatically rewrote the screenplay. Mm. Uh, he did, actually. He <laughs> oh, did, yeah. actually.
1: But anyway. Uh, but yeah, um, that that uh, Brad and Janet sort of go into this, you know, Frankenfurter castle. Mm-hmm. It, it's, m- of course, more inspired by the old Dark House, which we've already talked about. Right. But yeah, this idea that a, a once palatial thing is now turned into a den of depravity mm-hmm. is a, a this... American version of what uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show was doing The British version of yeah. One was the fall of the British aristocracy And one was the fall of I guess you could call it the the southern aristocracy
0: Yeah, or, or yeah. what people like
1: to think of it as um, I mean, and, it,
0: and But what's interesting is that uh, The uh, patron or the owner of the mansion Frank Inferter, hmm. uh Is actually more of an Eli Wallach character yeah, They have yeah, power, yeah. they have sexual agency, and they take one look at Brad and Janet, mm. and they realize that these are people who are incredibly naive, mm. people who have not come into their own sexually, and mm. someone that Frank and Furter can prey upon, which is a, to, a, to a humiliating extent. The only that yeah. empowers Frank, depowers them, mm. and ultimately runs the risk of destroying them, which yeah, is something gets... that Eli Wallach is going to try to do. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. and... uh Rocky Horror Picture Show it's presented as sort of like fun and playful, but yeah. when you get to the very end of the movie, it's about how uh, Brad and Janet are just completely ruined by the experience.
0: Yeah. Whereas ironically, Baby Doll, initially it seems really terrifying. Then it takes a turn towards the campy and surreal, mm. and then it ultimately comes across. I, I'm not sure how effectively it does, but the attempt at the end is to make this ultimate experience feel kind of empowering for Baby Doll, and mm. I'm not entirely sure that reads. I think ultimately it just feels like we're trapped in the cycle, but mm. um, anyway, uh, so uh, there's an extended sequence, like a long, because it's based on a play, it's a long sequence between Eli Wallach and Carol Baker, where he's attempting to seduce her, uh, and uh, she sometimes is interested, sometimes is not, one time she feels as though he's actually attacking her, and she runs to Carl Malden for help, and he throws something at her because he's working, Mm. and basically just says, go back to your attacker, And then they gradually kind of start to bond and then it leads to this really weird bit (laughs) where Carol Baker goes inside says you wait right here. I am going to go inside and make lemonade. You are not allowed in the house while there was no my aunt uh, uh, Rose is not here right now. Mm. You are not allowed in the house while I'm here. Right. So she goes in the house. To make lemonade. And Eli Wallach, as soon as her back is turned, sneaks into the house and starts doing things like moving like the lights around and like stacking chairs just when she's like out of the room, like in that movie The Sixth Sense, to try <laughs> to make her think the house is haunted.
1: Mm. We
0: just went there. <laughs> that, that's where we decided to go. And then it ends with like them chasing each other around the house in a Scooby Doo sequence.
1: Yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of doors slamming and trapping know, people in attics and yeah, yelling like, through l- like underneath doorways. It, there's yes. a
0: static shot of a hallway with a series of doors and like there's like three, like one in the foreground, one in the middle, one in the background. Mm-hmm. And like Carol Baker runs in the one in the background, and then Eli Wallach runs like after her, and then she shows up in the door in the foreground, and it just turns into absurdity. Yeah, it, it yeah, just yeah. becomes weird and then he like chases her into the attic at which point the attic is crumbling and she's like clutching like the attic floorboards for dear life so that she won't fall into the house and die and that's when he reveals that what he really wants from her isn't sex what he wants from her, although clearly i don't i don't think he would have turned it down but I, I i don't think that's part of his mo though I, 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 it's I, like he's, it's in, but it's, it's 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 in his yeah. repertoire um <laughs> He, uh, but what he what he wants is a signed confession saying your husband burned down my cotton gin yeah and so he like puts it on like a plank of wood and like moves it over to her rather than like rescue her or anything like that and says you sign that and I'll let you, and I won't like let you fall and die yeah <laughs> which is weird because after this she's totally into him. Weird uh, Yeah it's a, it is
1: a little odd and, and,
0: and again like she's She's led such a weird Sheltered life that like I, I get that like Any variation mm. Has more of an allure Than what she's a, going a through A kind and, of power dynamic Yeah, yeah. And, I, and it's a complicated Like Tennessee Williams wrote Like characters whose Life of desperation Pushes them to do Some remarkable And in some cases Unfathomable things Yeah But what we have to understand Isn't necessarily the motivation for Specifically what they do But rather the motivation itself yeah. And if we can understand the motivation itself, we can forgive them if they do things that we wouldn't do or that we find difficult to comprehend. Um, or at the very least, that's the idea. I don't think it always works. And uh-huh. I think Baby Doll pushes it. Uh, but uh, basically, and then after that, Carl Malden comes home and he finds out that something happened and he is not happy about it. And it leads to a really awkward dinner. Yeah. Which Whitney had already uh, prefaced. <laughs> Talk about the dinner
1: wedding. Mm. Uh, well, the, the dinner is the dinner is greens, and Carl molden is out. He's outraged that he feels yeah. like he's been hoodwinked. Yeah, and uh, so this dinner, he's not going to have anything to do with this. dinner. It's not going to
0: be a polite yeah. dinner.
1: And uh, uh, Aunt Harriet, Well, aunt Rose. aunt Rose? <laughs> aunt Rose and Harriet. Yeah, Batman. Uh, uh, uh,
0: Babydoll is living with her aunt, who is a very sweet kind of Una O'Connorish lady. Yeah,
1: I, I, for a second, for a split second, I thought it was Una O'Connor. It's like this is actually long mm. long after she had died I yeah. believe but it's, uh, it's
0: Mildred dunnick mm. and um she uh, but she's a very sweet but kind of like uh scatterbrained mm-hmm. lady like she like oh yes I had a stew on
1: but I forgot to turn on the stove all day so all we have are greens and they're cold yeah, so here here's some cold greens and Carl Malden's really really upset about this uh and like there, there's only like three chairs in this little tiny table where they can eat. So they have to sort of get up and alternate standing at the table to eat these cold greens that they're not interested in. Mm. And they're all just sniping at each other and full of hatred. Golly, I love scenes like this where <laughs> everybody's sitting around a dinner table, just seething at one another. Mm. You no, know, we saw another one of these in faster pussycat kill, kill. Yeah. Uh, it's just a grand cinematic tradition. Anytime any you,
0: you have the, t- you, you, you're expected to put on airs of politeness. uh. Uh-huh. And all you really want to do is throw things at each other. Yeah, it always leads to great, the great yeah. cinema. Yeah,
1: <laughs> oh, you shouldn't be too far off. Hey, this coffee tastes like it came out of an oil, Derek. What, you strain <laughs> it through a mummy? <laughs> coffee tastes like mud Roger mud uh, the, middle, the middle of dinner My steak got up uh, The steak got up off of my plate And beat the hell out of my coffee And yeah, the, coffee the coffee was, was too weak to defend, defend itself
0: Yes I also I, I also saw the uh, uh, Was it, it Conquered the World? Episode it Conquered episode? the World
1: yeah. There was a scene like that in It Conquered the World And they yeah. riffed on that in Mystery Science Theater Yeah Good times yeah. <laughs> I love those jokes Yeah and, uh, and of course, so, it all ends with Carl Malden completely
0: losing his mind.
1: Yeah yeah, 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 he's he's the one who's on edge, and Eli Wallach totally has the upper hand, and and just yeah. manipulates him, and just starts getting at him, and sinking his teeth into Carl Malden. And and after all of this has sort of come to a head, he he announces to Carl Malden, "Yeah, I'm I'm just renting. I can afford to rent your gin. I'm getting a lot of money from processing all this cotton." You're screwed out of all of this. I'm taking advantage of you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, you burned down my cotton,
0: Jan, and not yeah. only have I, like, kind of taken over, like, your whole business, but uh, you know how you kicked out Aunt Rose? I'll I'll take her with me.
1: Yeah.
0: I'll take her. Yeah, she's fine. She's mine now. Also, your wife prefers me. Uh uh-huh. Bye. And so Carl Malden like you know gets a gun and starts running around shooting everything inside. And we'll hear, Will hear willie not get Eli Wallach. And uh, we won't we won't bother going through the last uh, um, mm. uh, scenes. Uh, suffice it to say, n- not a lot is actually resolved. Uh, it's not a matter mm. of like oh Carl Malden's gonna like you know fall off a cliff and that will be his comeuppance. It's like no, everything is just kind of fucked forever. Um, yeah, th- it looks like yeah. things might get a little better. It probably won't. Eli Wallach looks like he might be like in a weird perverse way the salvation of certain characters he probably won't. No. No nothing is going to change. Nothing's going to get any better. It's just this was a particularly wild day. And I mean that's a vibe, isn't it? <laughs> that's a vibe. I
1: it, it's 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 such a sleazy film. It it's isn't it? It it's it's sleazy, it's lascivious, but at the same time, I don't think, it, like, it. it's sort of bringing people in with the promise of all these, like, lured things. But this isn't a fun film. No? This isn't about, uh, it's, don't it's not use like... I sleazy
0: is a compliment. I mean, it's, it's, I find it yeah. neutral. It's just a matter of, mm. like, this is, like, the kind of...
1: Yeah, sleazy you, is just a descriptor. Yeah. I mean, so I, it's
0: sleazy, they're good sleazy movies and bad sleazy movies.
1: Mm. Yeah. But... Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think this is the kind of film that, even though it promises a lot of sexuality, isn't one of those films that's sort of presenting a sex in an uncomfortable t- uh, framework, but is also still using it to be really a kind of alluring. Mm-hmm. You'll see this in, uh, and this is a ra- like one of the most unfortunate trends in B filmmaking is uh, using scenes of sexual assault yeah. as a way to titillate audiences. As, as an excuse to
0: get nudity. Yeah, like, we, we yeah, need nudity really in this out.
1: film, so why don't we just have a scene of sexual assault? Well, no, that's that's yeah. horrendous. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like this is not trying to titillate the audience. Yeah. Although, oh, ironically... At, at, I, at all. There's, there's like, some nude scenes but, and a lot of talk of sex, but it's all wielded in this really uncomfortable sort of well, way. Well, and that's
0: the thing. I feel like, in context, the mm. movie is... It's gross, mm. but it knows it's gross. And yeah, I feel like yeah, that's... Yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure it's making enough of a point to really justify that. I feel like, ultimately, it devolves into more of, like, a... It's just a weird camp oddity after a while. Yeah, um, it's It's clearly supposed to be, like, darkly comedic, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I think it veers so far in that direction with the whole haunted house bit and it never quite recovers. Mm. Um, But part of the problem, and this is one of the reasons why, like, the Catholic League denounced it, uh, was, you know, it wasn't presented in context. Like, the image of Carol Baker uh, as a young Mm. woman, like, sleeping in, like, a crib, sucking on her thumb was part of the marketing yeah. And marketing doesn't present context. No. It doesn't. No, no. I don't care if there's a I don't care if there's a log line that suggests context. People are taking away the image. They're not scanning all the text on the billboard. They're just mm-hmm. looking at the billboard. And that sets up an expectation of what's supposed to be in this movie. And you know, that the movie is trying to use the subject of sexuality to make dark and unpleasant points. Uh, and uh, discuss sexuality as a means of uh humiliation and abuse uh, is undermined by the fact that the sexuality is considered the selling point, yeah, and as such, we expect that if the sexuality is a
1: selling point, we're supposed to enjoy it mm. and that's not the case in this film no, no. Um, and and I think what Tennessee Williams was really kind of getting at um, was how uh Sex, sex and sexuality are ultimately sort of like the final corrupting force in this fallen uh, former kingdom. Mm-hmm. I think he was being very poignant about uh, the way wealth had been vaunted and sex had been kind of ignored mm-hmm. as part of this myth of the South. Interesting. And I think, yeah, I think he's trying to just like smash... The last bricks into the ground mm. See, of, of an already crumbling mansion. That's not—that's not, that's not
0: quite what I took away from. It, okay. so that's interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, for me, you know, the the the
0: social uh, uh, class mm. of Carl Malden's uh, character had long been taken away from him, and it had been uh, given to an immigrant, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and that leaves him feeling very very small. And then, on top of everything, like the cherry on top. Uh-huh. Uh, of his, uh, uh, demasculization or emasculization, mm-hmm. uh, is he has, uh, a young and beautiful wife who doesn't want to touch him. Yeah. His sexuality is like the last thing that gets taken from him mm-hmm. and he can't even, and at the end of this movie, he can't even pretend that he has any power. Yeah. Like he was at least able to pretend because he had a contract, but now he doesn't, mm-hmm. it's all been taken from him. All of this sort of white male bravado, this sort of like, I own the cotton gin, I have like the big house with the fancy columns, I married the young debutante, everything is mine, and in the end, it turns out that that was all a facade Mm. for an incredibly weak type of person. Yeah, and I think that's the part of it that I can respond to, and that's the thing I get m- most interesting out of. I feel like a lot of the other stuff with a lot of the other characters doesn't really land, but I feel like Carl Malden's failure as a human being comes across, and yeah, I feel like what he represents I, 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 that being a failure. I think that's what that's what matters. Yeah, 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 and, and I just and give it a different angle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, he he's like it's called Baby Doll, and she's the title of character, yeah. but I think it's Carl Malden's story, and it's about about his failure as a human being, and about and I think he does and the reason I, I was taking this is w I'm trying to think of like what he represents. It's, it is a very personal story and we can just sort of take it as the drama of a fallen man. Mm-hmm. But I do think that he was, because it's a cotton gin and because they use racial slurs and because of its setting, mm-hmm it if, does evoke images of Antebellum South. Absolutely. And, yes, I, yes. and I think that's what Tennessee Williams was trying to deconstruct. Yeah, this is the last mm. vestige of it. It yeah, is dying and, and now. Yeah, all, all yeah. we have is- a, not a, a desperate yeah. man in, this is the end of the road, the, the, yeah. a, a desperate man consumed by an unsavory kind of lust mm-hmm. uh, with a cotton gin with no cotton in it. Yeah. And only an immigrant can bring cotton in and sort of take it from him. Yeah. So yeah, he he. I think he was very actively trying to tear something down with yeah. with Baby Doll.
0: I just think I just think mm. the camp overloads it after a while, and we start l- losing mm. the forest for the trees a little bit. A, but, a little, yeah. uh, maybe
1: a little bit, but yeah. uh, I think it's always there.
0: True. Um, mm. he, this again. This is Eli Wallach's Ruth Horne's first movie, but he only has one scene. This is Eli Wallach's uh, first movie, and he's like the second or third lead, depending on how you look at it. He's certainly mm. in the top three people in the in the cast, and um. Holy shit, what a debut! <laughs> yeah, like,
1: it's, a, it's a
0: big one. It's a big one, and it really is a great showcase for Eli Wallach, mm-hmm. uh, who I think is just one of the one, one of the great actors of the second half of the 20th century. Um, he was always... He, he always gave 110%, mm-hmm. and he was never afraid to let a character, even if the character was normal on the page, uh, demonstrate eccentricity. Mm-hmm. And I think as a result, many of his even bizarre... Uh, his bizarre characters feel real, and his real characters feel bizarre enough to be more real. Yeah. Because people are weird. Uh, I mean, some actors forget this. Some actors try to normalize everyone they meet and try to make them seem, mm-hmm. you know, sort of an everyman. Eli Wallach was not concerned about that shit.
1: Yeah. Uh, one of his uh, most famous roles was uh, the film film made with Sergio Leone. The uh, Good, the Bad, the The Good, the Bad, and the, the, ugly. Good, the, bad, and the yeah, ugly. He was the ugly. Who was the good. No. I saw him as the good. Well, but he's specifically labeled as the ugly. I suppose so. Like, yeah. in the
0: title, it says that Clint Eastwood is the good, oh. Lee Van Cleef is the bad, and uh, uh, Eli, Eli Wallach, Wallach is was... the ugly. But you're right. By the end of the film... It, he's it, the only it, one
1: that, like, has some kind of principle. I feel yeah. like... Uh, I felt like Clint Eastwood was the bad, and I Lee feel, Van Cleef was the ugly. I feel like the whole
0: heart and soul of the movie is when Eli Wallach, like, meets, like, his brother, and his brother became a priest, and he's so disappointed in him. Mm. But at the end, even though he's, like, you know, this rollicking, you know, violent you know L- lascivious pers- dude yeah, yeah like at the end when he's like riding away with Clint Eastwood he's talking about what a great time he had reminiscing with his brother and how much they loved each other and mm-hmm. it's just like oh more humanity than we're gonna see from Eastwood
1: yeah you know but, like yeah, Eastwood is just sort of he, uh, he. they call him the man with no name he's called Blondie in the movie he has, a name, I, yeah. a, he
0: has a name in all three films
1: it's, yeah yeah. It's
0: yeah like, it's like, I forget what the other ones are but he has a name in all maybe. three films yeah it's hilarious. Uh, But I think uh, he, has, he has no name because it changes in all yeah. three films I think
1: but uh, he's a good. What I was gonna say is, Eli Wallach is a good pairing with a director like Sergio Leone, who directs these uh, incredibly hyper-real movies mm-hmm. where uh, you know things don't exist unless they're in frame. For instance, like somebody is like. Marveling something. Oh no! Oh no! They're coming toward me, and we see their foot like step into camera, and that's like when they exist for the person. Yeah. When really they're on this gigantic plane, and they would have seen them coming for an hour. Yeah. That that kind of like non reality is is what yeah is what really uh, uh, pushes forward a lot of Sergio Leone's movies. Mm -hmm. And Eli Wallach works really well in that kind of uh, aesthetic. Yeah. He's able to play these hyper real characters where he's over the top and really non-human in a way but feels superhuman as a result
0: yeah uh, Elia Kazan as hmm. a filmmaker tends to be known for uh more of like sort of humanistic yeah uh, type films so baby doll feels a little weird baby doll it's, feels it's, it's, it's out it's, of his wheelhouse it's really over to the, the top the other films yeah. of
1: his I've seen
0: yeah and you can see why like and and Babydoll is explicitly referenced in Rocky Horror. I believe it's in uh, the actual crib is in Columbia's like room.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, so Everybody
1: like the, shoved him. I really, very nearly loved him. That yeah. scene. Yeah. So
0: like, Columbia is clearly modeled after a baby doll type character. She's like the youngest mm. uh, member of the cast, at least until Susan Sarandon comes along. It's that's nebulous, but um, she's clearly been sort of taken in uh, by older, more sexually aggressive people and Mm. she doesn't probably know any existence beyond that and now she's just bouncing around this crumbling mansion trying to make something of herself and I actually consider her arguably the most sympathetic character in that movie Um, but uh, I also think that I I think the Makers of Rocker Picture Show understood that this is where camp comes from camp comes from like desperation camp comes from uh, an attempt to do something Real, but it, by from people who are pushed to do things that seem unreal, um, yeah. and I think uh, and I think the thing comes across. I think it's fascinating. I'm glad I saw this. It's mm. not. It's definitely not like going to enter my favorite films. But it's, like yeah, it's, 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 it's not an not interesting a, watch.
1: Yeah, it's it's not yeah. an earth shattering class. I mean, it I guess cla- it's, it's, whatever, it's arguably whatever, classic, if you want to okay. use the word classic, you yeah. may. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little bit of a weird uh, directing job for Ilya Kazan. It's a little bit of a weirdly paced movie uh has some really excellent uh performances in it. Mm. And uh in terms of its confrontation of using a, a floating fog of desperate sexuality mm. as the final uh element of downfall of a previously grand aristocracy is something that it shares with the Rocky Horror Picture show. Yeah. Uh uh Rocky Horror Picture Show came from England, and uh, you can tell that a lot of the a lot of what of the Rocky Horror Show and the Rocky Horror Picture Show were both doing was confront of polite society, and they chose you know Brad and Janet are the face of polite society in that movie, yeah, uh, and it's sort of confronting them with sex. But at the same time, by the end of the movie, we do see that it's gone too far, and that the uh, the aristocracy is ultimately going to be destroyed by lust. Uh, I think the Rocky Horror Picture Show is doing something a little bit more playful with it. I think it's riffing on those themes sure. rather than making a, a, a much more poignant point about the British aristocracy. Whereas Baby Doll is incredibly earnest. Mm-hmm. But I think they're using the same words, even if they're singing slightly different songs. Uh, well, the, that's it for this episode of Episode Zero. Uh, next week, we'll be back
0: with uh, three films. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're doing an entire trilogy We've talked a lot about the films that inspired elements of the Rocky Horror Picture Show But we haven't talked a lot about not just the horror We've talked about a few horror films But we haven't talked a lot about queer horror Mm. And we're going to be looking at arguably the greatest queer vampire period piece trilogy Mm -hmm. of all time I assume there are others, but I'm a huge fan. I really am really excited that we're going to get to talk about the Karnstein trilogy, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a series of three vampire movies uh, made by hammer horror with extremely explicit queer themes. Uh, They are the vampire lovers, lust for a vampire and twins of evil. Uh, These films are pretty readily available. I think only like twins of evil is currently like available for no extra cost. On like Amazon Prime Or Shudder mm. uh, But the other ones Are pretty easy to find And rent And I, if you see If you see nothing else I highly recommend Seeing The Vampire Lovers It is fantastic mm. uh, And uh, I'm really excited To get to talk to you uh, About it next week uh, With
1: Whitney Who have you You haven't seen any of these I, I haven't seen them I and mean, okay. you, You've talked them up a lot and Yeah they, you know, I'm, I'm... Familiar with their existence, but yeah, yeah, not not too intimately familiar with. Yeah, it, them.
0: There, there, It's it's this sort of um, again. It's another type of movie where like there are people who are in the cult and they know all about it. they're like probably hear you say the scene trilogy, and they're like, yeah, like we're friends. And a lot of people are, like, huh. Hopefully we can, we can introduce you to uh, Some really really cool films And yeah. I hope you That's our goal obviously all the time But um, in this case I'm very excited mm-hmm. uh, So uh, yeah That's coming up next week on episode zero Thank you everybody for listening uh, If you want to talk about Anything we discussed on this podcast Or anything else you might want to discuss uh, With us uh, you're more than welcome to Email us our email address is Letters at critically Once again, that is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We might read your email and respond to it on an upcoming episode of our podcast, We've Got Mail, right here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. Please subscribe if you Mm. haven't already. It really helps us out. Leave us a review if you haven't already. Even just a a star rating and a couple of sentences Mm. just really helps us find more listeners, and it means the world. Um, And if you really want to help out and you have the means, you can always join our Patreon patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network and we have a lot of exclusive shows Mm. uh, to reward you for that we have shows that are dedicated to every single episode of Star Trek ever produced every single episode of the 1960s Batman Mm. uh, movies that are supposed to be on Disney plus or the least in theory should be because Disney owns them but are mysteriously not and we're gonna try to figure out why Mm. Uh, we have commentary tracks we are uh, working our way through reviews of every single film ever nominated for best picture uh and there's a ton of other stuff as well uh on over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network you can vote for future episodes of things it's 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 a whole it's a whole thing Mm. and a very special shout out to all of our patrons without whom this show and all of our other shows would not exist um and of course we're on twitter at critic acclaim i am at william i'm at whitney seibold um this is probably being dropped on may 1st uh, and, uh, if it's May 1st, that means it's the first Saturday of the month. And the first Saturday of the month is when we reveal, uh, new products in salt cat soap, our Etsy store. If you go to Etsy, look for salt cat soap, all one word. Uh, you mm. will find handcrafted soaps designed by, uh, my wife and partner, M. Lapis de Silva, some of them by me. Uh, and, uh, this month we're revealing like, some actually really cool, exciting new products, including a, lo- a line of hand lotion, uh, that is, uh, Crafted by us And its it smells really really nice um, It's a really pretty presentation too I think they look really neat too On top of just being a great hand lotion So um, all of those things are available At Salt Cat Soap You can also follow Salt Cat Soap On Twitter and Instagram It's at Salt Cat Soap Look for Luca He's the logo He's adorable
1: cute <laughs> little black kitty
0: Alright so thank you everybody uh, once again And until next week I see you shiver with anticipation
1: <laughs> Jerk
0: yeah. <laughs>